millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi. Yeah. Good. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. I'm, <laughs> thanks I'm, for coming on the podcast. I'm coming yeah. on your show, but thanks for coming into my house. <laughs> yeah. uh, so before we kind of start the conversation, I just wonder if you could kind of tell me who you are and what you get up to. Yeah. Cool. So I'm um, I'm Tom McGuire, and I am the lead singer of the, the band Tom McGuire and the Brassels. Uh, it's a eight piece funk and soul powerhouse from Glasgow. And uh, yeah, we've been sort of on the scene for about a, a year uh, doing all music, and it's uh, it's going it's going quite well. Um, we've amassed a little bit of a following, and we're working really hard to 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 continue onwards from there. Really, yeah, yeah. And this isn't your your first time on a podcast either. No, it's not. No. I was going to ask a bit about the brass cast before we kind of got into this podcast. Yeah. And what was that experience like working on that? Cause it was yeah, um, Angus, you had done. That's right. We had uh, Angus Monroe. Um, it was just a sort of mad idea we had. We we thought, what what kind of content can we uh, give to our, our followers and stuff like that? Because it it definitely seemed like a, a certain strategy to to just have lots of quality content uh, to, to you know to keep people involved and engaged. Uh, so we, we we just had a mad idea to do that. It was, it was quite good fun, quite nice wee experiment. It's nice to try something. I'll try anything once, you know. Uh, and it was it was lovely to chat with with him. Um, I edited the video myself, and that was a, I'm an absolute novice at that. So I had a bit of a laugh um, doing that and, and experimenting with that. But ultimately, it took quite quite a lot long time, a lot of effort, and you know I think maybe I'm trying to steer away from from uh, lots of lots of different kind of content ideas rather than just you know focusing on on it uh, on music but that was a uh, that was certainly a, a a time it was like a whirlwind time we were just trying to do all sorts of different things see what was sticking see what was fun see what worked and it was fun um i don't know perhaps we'd we'd do it again but, um 
yeah, it's, it was hard work. It was hard work, yeah. harder work than I thought it would be, but good fun. And in terms of like keeping like content fresh for your followers and stuff, like you were saying there, what kind of other ideas have you come up with and stuff have you tried out other than the podcast to kind of? Well, um, you know, we were doing some. We've, we've obviously we've had a, a decent amount of success from our, our music videos, so that's one thing. And we we just realised that engagement with uh, with sort of video content was was quite good. So we we're doing some some live sessions and other other sort of humorous or entertaining uh, video content. Um, certainly in the run up to our album launch, we were really hitting hitting it hard <laughs> in every angle. Um, we we were getting quite quite good edits of videos of us uh, doing stuff like playing on the subway. We played a gig in the subway uh, in preparation and sort of in support of this this album launch which we were really pushing to try and make a success. Uh, so we played a gig on the subway, which is, uh, you know, that that really caught people's eyes. And, and Did that get filmed as well? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we had somebody filming that and then edit, editing that. So it, somewhere along, somewhere in our feed, in our uh, list of posts or whatever, there's there's a there's a video of us uh, doing this this gig in the subway. And it was, yeah, that was a roaring success. Good, good fun thing. But yeah... Uh, all during that kind of run, uh, that that was me and me and the band really trying hard to 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 draw attention to the band uh, in order that the, the the album launch should be a success and the the people would uh, listen to the album. So it was all basically all all methods to attract attention, to draw people's uh, focus towards the album, which is the ultimate thing. But um, we tried a lot of different things, and some things worked, some things didn't work, but. It was a, it was certainly a campaign. It was almost like a, like a, a, a war of a campaign. It was just, just relentless, uh, content production, you know, um, and I'm quite, I'm quite happy to be in a situation now where it's, where we, the album's out. It's been out for some time, and uh, now I can sit back and not have to worry about, uh, what's the next content and be a, try and be a musician again rather than a, some kind of, you know, internet content factory you know i mean that content push obviously you know worked well because the album has kind of it's it's had a bit of success it's, it's yeah. gone down well yeah for sure for sure the 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 album launched especially uh we, we had an album launch in in the qmu in glasgow and we we went we, we sold it out and due in no small part to the 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 mad efforts that we went to 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 achieve that so yeah, certainly I think there's there's been results from that kind of uh, strategy, that kind of uh, action, yeah. and uh, yeah. I want to come back to the, the subway gig that you, you mentioned a, yeah, a yeah, wee yeah. bit ago. I guess that kind of harkens back to your busking days as well, because that was sure. where you, you all met. Was That's, that kind of part of the idea of it? or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we some kind of call back to our, our roots and, and how we started. Uh, there's definitely some sentiment there. Um but I think it's something we want to cultivate is, is this this idea of us being a spontaneous and, and fun operation where where any old thing can happen. And that's how it was from Busking and that's how it is in the show. The shows that we put on it's uh, there's a, a, a quite a large amount of spontaneity and organic things happening that I don't even know what's gonna happen. Uh so the the yeah, I suppose that comes from the roots of busking, which is, as you say, that's how we we started the band, how we how we all met uh, in the very first place. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a callback. That was definitely a callback. 
Are there other things from busking that kind of like last in? Is that maybe affect the way you play live or the way you write at all? Or you know, it's. Uh, I think so. I mean, when you're busking, people are just crowded around. And all of a sudden, you've got a, 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 sometimes it'd be two or like maybe a one or two hundred people uh, crowding around you just on on the street, and because you're not really connected into a system or anything, it's not a stage, so you're you're free to go wherever you want and roam around. So that's certainly something that we've we've kept on going with you know we will often uh, venture out into the crowd uh and the, the show will be taken off the stage and into the crowd itself and make it you know uh, almost interactive uh experience so the the show comes down into the crowd into the people and then that's uh that's i suppose maybe that's something an idea that's come from street performing not just from our busking, but just from street street performing in general, and like the roots of a lot of the uh, the music in our band is is from New Orleans, uh, and that is all just street parades, street parades going through the street, and and the the show is moving through the people rather than the people watching a stationary show. So that's I, I suppose that's something that's that we've retained in our in our approach in our in our live show, uh, definitely trying to get in, in, crowd's involvement you know there's there's parts in the set and parts in the songs that I've kind of written specifically that it'll be a part for the crowd to get involved in and it's uh, it's worked so far and it's, it's made our show a little bit more engaging than it would be if we were just turning up going on the stage playing our songs saying thank you and then leaving you know we're trying to make it a, a truly engaging uh, and welcoming universal experience for everyone involved I think it's working that way. To yeah, be honest. definitely. I mean, you you mentioned New Orleans there. Yeah. Just out of interest, have you been to New Orleans? Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. was what was that experience like then? Was it in there? It was great. Yeah, I went there um, uh, this February. Just there after we had we had the album launched in January, and then I decided to give myself a holiday because it'd been such an intense run up to that. Uh, so I went to New Orleans, kind of like a, as a pilgrimage, see what kind of uh, inspiration I could get, see what I could learn, see what I could see. And uh, New Orleans is uh, obviously I'm saying it wrong. We all say it wrong, but I think you just sound like a bit of a, an arsehole if you try and say it the right way. If you're not from there, you're supposed to say New Orleans, right? I'm not going to say it. I'm going to say New Orleans because I, I I would feel cringy if I if I tried to do it the right way. Well, it's the same with Maryland as well, isn't it? Uh, Maryland, how are you I think, to say I think that? it's supposed to be they're not Maryland. Maryland, perhaps yeah. 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 Totally but I mean, yeah, it's the same. As, I guess it's the same as people coming to Glasgow and saying Glasgow or. Edinburgh, right? So anyway, uh, uh, yeah, New Orleans, right? It, it's uh, the the standard uh, of music there, and the amount of really high quality music there is is fun- is just incredible. Um, you can just go and watch just stellar quality uh, jazz all day long of 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 all sorts. I mean, it's de- it's definitely jazz centric. Uh, and jazz isn't the only thing, but it's definitely jazz centric. But the 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 sort of whole spectrum of uh, jazz represented there, and you can just just people playing in bars are the the highest quality musicians I've seen maybe in my life. You know, uh, like the same way that I've got a residency in a in a pub every Friday just playing covers. Uh, the guy, one of the guys from the Meters, plays with a trio every Monday in this, this pub. So that's that's the meters. That's one of the, the, the forebears of, of funk, right? This is uh this is 
this is the roots, the very roots of it, and one of the guys just does a residency on a Monday night. That's New Orleans, you know, that's New Orleans for me. It's just the the, the standard and quality of just omnipresent, ubiquitous, high-quality music. It's uh, it's sick. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned there, obviously, like, playing in pubs and stuff and doing ones and things like that as well. Does that help you, like, kind of refine how you are live, and do you help? Is that, like, practising for, like, you know, going out with the brassles, or is it quite a separate thing? It's a bit separate. It's a bit se- separate. I've, I've sort of been trying to work this out myself a little bit because it's uh, it's a way to make a living, uh, but it's uh, it's a different performance. I'm just playing by myself. I'm playing uh, covers, but uh, I guess it is practice in a sense. It's practice in a sense, and it's it's vocal practice. It's a uh, it's a you're doing a a shift of of singing, and that's that's a, that's. A muscular thing that you have to keep up otherwise you, you sort of start to lose a little bit so it's an opportunity for me to to uh, have actual training of singing and I'm kind of trying to watch what I'm doing there uh, so it's it's valuable in that sense but also like where I, I do requests I'll just sing requests all night just to keep it interesting for myself because every song I know I've played a hundred times so I'll do requests all night and that'll, that'll keep it interesting for me and it'll highlight some weaknesses that I've got in my playing or it'll, it'll just I'll realise that there's uh, there's some interesting things in a particular song that I hadn't, I hadn't thought about, but it's uh, very much a different compartmentalised thing. It's just a, that's like a, a work thing. It certainly allow, allows me a certain amount of um, kind of training, especially when it comes to to vocals. Yeah, and then can I taking it from your your solo gigs back to like the, the band gigs? When you play the first gig with a band, how does that kind of compare live to what it is now? Has it changed? Uh, has it changed? Yeah, you know, very very first gig before anybody... The very first gig we were playing all originals because the band's played, uh, you know, as a sort of work band, a sort of covered band or wedding band for, for many years together. So we've played together. Was that what it was, busking on the streets? Was that all doing... Yeah, but, I mean, or... Or some stuff that was made up in the spot, but yeah, we were just busking uh, covers covers of the street, and then we started getting some some pub gigs and wedding gigs, and then finally we thought, why are we not doing our own thing? But yeah, the first gig, uh, doing some of our own stuff, was uh, was definitely a thrill for me. A, a, a thrill for me having spent so many time, so much time, uh, and so many hours playing other people's songs, to be playing their own songs out loud. <laughs> Two people was. Uh, was a real real buzz and then it's it's uh, it hasn't really stopped being exciting for me you know i still appreciate the 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 opportunity to play our own songs to people and now it's certainly getting to the stage where people are singing it back and that's that's a total that's a total trip that's not i don't see that losing its novelty anytime soon you know when people are singing it back it's uh that's a thrill for sure I mean, one of the things that really cuts through the music, like even recorded, is almost you can hear the chemistry between the band, like all connecting and, and playing together. Was that something that was there from the off as well, or was that something that kind of came over time as you? Yeah, no, it, it was. Uh, the, some of the the band members have sort of changed and it's sort of uh, it's, it's shifted around a little bit, but we've all the the core of the band and all the musicians have have met each other and learned with each other through jam sessions. You know, jam session nights in, in Glasgow. In fact, that's that's where we, the very very inception of the band was was from that. Um, uh, so there's there's certainly the onus on chemistry there. Uh, it's, it's a very important thing, and you know, just making stuff up on the spot, which is what we used to do in the jam session. Still, 
sometimes we still visit these sessions and do the same thing and on the street so there's definitely the chemistry is an important thing it's not it's not a, a cold calculated uh, um get in do the song get out there's there's been uh, a whole process to get to that point and it's it's been a collaborative and yeah there's a lot of, yeah a lot of chemistry there for sure yeah and then like kind of a wee bit early in the conversation you kind of you mentioned the music videos that you've put out I, I do want to take it back to the Ric Flair one because that seems to me that was kind of quite a moment oh, yeah, in the sure. band's history yeah in terms of what kind of an effect did that have upon where you were at as a band after that came out and I mean it, it, it kind of went viral a little bit oh yeah it? for sure yeah uh, well I mean it had a, an incredible impact in that it, it launched a, pretty much exploded it, it, wait let me let me try and reword it it exploded us onto the scene from from nobody knowing anything about us at all to uh, to everybody having seen it because it, it did go a little bit viral I, I don't know I don't know what the, the, the definition of viral is but it was definitely in, in hundreds of thousands in the matter of like a day or so um how did that actually happen do you know how it hit? you know it's it's funny because it was it was completely organic it was wasn't sponsored we couldn't sponsor it because uh we got the word asshole is in our name so we have <laughs> trouble sponsoring it that was just purely organic uh i think possibly the algorithm in facebook's changed a little bit we did a little bit of research and we 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 were quite savvy with sharing we we, we had as many people as possible sharing it the first half hour and then it went and kind of grew legs and it hit i think what i did was it hit the the worldwide wrestling community and uh there's i mean there's a lot of people in the world who really love rick flair the person and uh then that just from there it just went went you know that's when it started to get a bit viral and just grow arms and legs and go everywhere just go everywhere um yeah just like exponential shading exponential uh, uh liking and it was uh we just we no way we expected anything like that we just put it out then next thing you know it's just going absolutely mental and we didn't really know what to do with it we were freaking out it was it was definitely a buzz but uh immediately there was there was a change in in how things were happening at the moment at, at the time we'd been trying to organize a tour our first tour and we we're really struggling to get people to let us come and play uh so we had big gaps in the tour we had about three shows and they were all kind of like kind of shonky crap shows lined up and then the day afterwards it was just booked out it was booked out we had uh, we had the whole thing booked with much better shows we immediately went from having no profile whatsoever to having a significant profile people started you know perking their ears up people started uh, giving us some notice and you know giving us a little bit of acknowledgement and a little bit of acceptance we were sort of like in the club a little bit um yeah so uh, it was it was a, a massive thrill and to be honest since then we've just been trying frantically trying to retain that momentum you know uh it set us off you know a lot of bands work for a while and they, they work up to something worked up to something then something happens for us it's just like smash God, how do I how do I manage this situation? <laughs> but it must just yeah, like increase the pressure quite a bit upon you. So. Well, yeah, for sure. I mean that that's that that's it. I mean for me, I, I've I I did feel a lot of pressure, and I still do kind of feel a lot of pressure. It's something I've kind of had to kind of negotiate the whole, this entire year because about a year ago, it was about a year ago that it was out. So, I think it almost to the day. I think I was on today, and it was. Eleven months. Yeah, so it must just no, no. It was it was mid mid September. Mid September, it came right. out. 
And uh, um, so, yeah, that's about a year that it's been quite a high pressure environment for me, which is why I'm saying, like, I'm quite in, quite enjoying this opportunity to, to chill down a little bit. It's basically be the first time that I've been able to since that. Yeah. Uh, I certainly have a, a real franticness about retaining that momentum and making sure it, it keeps going in there because this is this is the project that I've thrown uh, everything into. I've, uh, I've, I've kind of taken a massive leap of faith on this project and um, I'm a little bit older than the rest of the guys so it's probably, uh, it could be my one crack at the whip and we got off to a really good start so uh, I, I felt a real kind of uh, pressure to make sure everything kept going. And I've worked super hard to try and do that, super hard. And it sort of shows that, like I said, in the, the, the kind of campaign we did to, to make the, the album launch a success and, and things subsequent, subsequent to that, you know. So, yeah, definitely it was it was a, a an incredible start that we were sort of scrabbling around trying to work out how to how to deal with. But I think we've done all right, eh? Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned momentum as well, because that's kind of like a metaphor for the video itself, because that whole video is kind of like continually going forward in momentum. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what was making that like? Because I can't imagine it. Was it as fun as it looked, or was it stressful? What I mean, was it, there, there was, um, like, I'm quite prone to stress, so it was stressful, <laughs> but it was it was definitely fun. Um, but there was a lot of things happening, and we were doing it on a, a total shoestring budget. Um, like the whole idea was was. I just came up with it. I, I I thought right, okay, we'll do that. We didn't have any other ideas for a video. Uh, we need we need to have a video, so nobody had anything else on the table. So I was like, right, okay, we'll we'll do this. We'll do that, and then at that point, this will happen. And then I just charted it all out, and I showed it to the boys, and they're like, what what's this man? This isn't. I don't know. This isn't going to work. It's like, well, there's nothing else on the table, so that's what we got to do. So yeah, there's a little bit of stress on that that level, but then uh, we got a guy who was able to. Um, basically manifest everything that I visualised. Did you always visualise that as the one shot? Like at the start? Yeah, you know, yeah. Big long take? Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I, I, I envisaged that from, from the start, just like that. And, uh, you know, the biggest, I think the biggest thing was renting the limo, you know? Renting, I remember being like, this this is the point where I'm either taking this really seriously or I'm just I'm just still just fanning about. Like I've not done lots of music projects before, but not really taken it that seriously and fanned about. But this time I was like, Am I going to drop two hundred quid to to rent a limo for you know half an afternoon just for this one shot in a video? And I thought about it. I thought, mm, yeah, I could. I mean, it's not necessary. It's kind of ancillary. But then I thought, yeah, I'm 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 going all in in this project. I'm doing it all. Uh, so I'm renting that limo and I, <laughs> I rent a call around spent ages trying to source a pink limo sort it out and it went in and uh, yeah so it was, it was a hilarious but stressful experience because it was uh, as well as just actually trying to pull everything together it was, there was definitely a a turning point of me saying okay, this is me going all in and this this is, a, this is the, the moment that it's either sink or swim and we, we sank no, sorry, we didn't say we, we swam. <laughs> we swam like fuck. So that's good. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I don't mean, one that's come up a bit more recently is the, yeah, the Get Out video. That was, a, was that the most recent one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's one I really like as well. Was that also your idea with the cartoon and stuff? Or you was know, that more... yeah, that was a sort of collaborative effort with the guys at the filmmaking troupe called Odd Socks. Um, and 
yeah, that was more of a kind of uh, collaborative thing. We sort of brainstormed how to do it, and uh, we took a lot of a lot of different forms. You know, the the it was going to be a lot of different ways uh, until we sort of it started to to get molded into to what it was. So yeah, uh, just lots of lots of ideas end up coming in the very last minute. Like the thing with the fish, that happened on the day, and that was like a spontaneous like spontaneous thing. I, I I mean we'd mentioned the fish. There's a fish fish the word fish is mentioned in the song. And the guys in the, the film squad was like, Oh we maybe we could do something about this fish. I was like, I'm not really that sold in the fish thing. Like let's let's not really worry about the fish. But then on the day somebody got a fish and then but but before you know it, there's a fish getting flung out and everybody's getting hit in the hit in the face of the fish. Uh so there was a certain the certain amount of um seat of the pants things happening. Uh, but I, I pulled together. There was definitely quite an early idea on that, that I was going to get just absolute trashed because that's what happens in the video. I'm standing there and I'm I'm just getting just trashed. You're getting put through the ringer a bit. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So they're just flinging eggs at me, chucking fish at me, flinging bottles of water, uh, buckets of water over me. I'm getting tarred and feathered and then uh, getting beaten up. And it's, it's absolutely filthy. It's absolutely grim. Uh, but that was uh, quite early on in the, the, the sort of brainstorming. That was that was on the table, so that was kind of the centerpiece. But the the sort of transformation into this kind of manga character and this uh, this kung fu kind of fireball shooting element that was a little bit later on. So now I think about it, there's quite a lot to that video. There's quite a lot of things happening, uh, but it was it was definitely something that we wanted to have just a constant, the same way Ric Flair was, just a constant uh, sequence of visually arresting, interesting things happening, and me getting battered about with fish and eggs chucked at me was was uh, visually resting for sure and I mean you spoke there a bit about as well like collaborating with filmmakers how does that differ to collaborate with musicians is it quite different or is it a bit similar in some ways well we've only collaborated with with two people um one was was, was a guy called Paul Campbell who sorted out our first and second videos and that was that was a different sort of collaboration than with the odd socks lot is um Essentially, the first two videos was just me telling him what I was envisaging and him saying, yes, we can do that, and then doing it, or saying, no, that's can't do that. Uh, so that was him just uh, manifesting what I was seeing in my head. So that was a, that was a different and quite nice way to collaborate for me, certainly, because I just got what I wanted. Um, but the, the other way was uh, sort of the, the collaboration was they were they had a more creative hand in it and they there was a lot of back and forth there was a lot of uh, discussion about how it was going to be and lots of things tabled and lots of sort of drafts and that was that was nice as well it was nice to have somebody else taking the reins and somebody else uh, with with some creative control there it wasn't just all on me uh, which kind of kind of uh, gets a little bit heavy on the shoulders sometimes if it's just all me so it was good to have these are the guys who knew knew about film and knew how, knew about how to make a shot good and then preparing uh, a film in a way that you know I don't. Um, and I suppose in in terms of collaborating with musicians, it, it it can be the same. It can be the same. It's just to do with the personality of the people who you're working with. Some people prefer to have their parts dictated to them, the song completely written. Some people prefer to bounce off each other. And have a collaborative thing until the the, the final pro, uh, product is kind of honed and molded and created. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess that video, Get Out, kind of takes us nicely onto the album, because it's the opening track. Was yeah. it always the opening track, or was, what, what point did that kind of get decided um, that was going to open it? I, I was kind of always up for it being the opening track, um, because it, it sets up, in a thematic way, it sets up the rest of the album. And the album itself, to be honest, I've not really thought about it for a while, because... I mean, I, I made it, the album like quite a long time ago. It's been available for like not that long, but I, I made it a long time ago and put it together quite a long time ago. So I've not thought about it for a while. But the 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 sequence of the the record is uh, it's almost like a concept record, and there's a there's a uh, chronology to the things that are happening to the the, the character, the, the the sort of protagonist. From start to finish, I mean, it's very, very loosely uh, conceptual, but uh, there's definitely a chronology. The songs tell a story of it. Yeah, yeah, and Get Out kind of is a prelude. It acts as like a prelude to it, you know. Uh, Get Out tells the story of how I actually came to be in the position of writing the record, making the record, um, uh, of of abandoning the path that I was on before, um, uh, taking this leap of faith that I spoke about. And just putting all my eggs in this basket, and then uh, taking that leap and uh, feeling triumphant and uh, full of of rejoice and relief at doing so. So that's that's the sort of prelude um, to the record, which then tells the deeper kind of story of of my own journey as a man in a universe in which truth and meaning is hard to discern. I've been saying that quite a lot. I've, I've managed to distill a lot of thought into that one sentence. Now I've said that one sentence quite a lot. I mean, you speak about thematics a lot there. I mean, that is the thing about the album, is that you know, the instrumentation is quite bright and upbeat and free and loose. But thematically, there's some kind of darker oh, things going yeah, on yeah, man. Yeah, fuck yeah, for sure. And um, that's kind of what I wanted to do. I want, uh, Funk and that kind of music, funk and soul... It's uh, it's quite often kind of conceptually shallow. It's just about dancing or shagging, or may, it might just be about funk, right? Funk could just be about funk. But then uh, I've uh, I've made sure that there's there's some meaning and heft behind the actual the words, and it is about um, you know my my struggles uh, in in the past five to ten years. You know about my uh, experiences of, of loss of meaning and a search for 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 purpose and meaning which I think everyone comes to at some point so I think and you know ultimately uh, the the end point of it is convalescence you know um, convalescence in my case through through I have a purpose of, of just loving someone uh, in one way and also just uh, realizing that the these questions of purpose are the things that that uh, remove the possibility of just enjoying a moment because you start to question and analyse uh, momentary instances of joy and pleasure until they are not joyful or pleasurable anymore. Because the true answer to what what's it all about, what's the point? The true true answer to that is, of course, there isn't any point. We're all floating in a rock in space, and there isn't any point. And the the universe is infinite. And you know, you live for ninety years, and then that's it, and we all die. So that's that is the the only answer. But the trick is, the trick is, don't ask that. <laughs> don't ask that. Uh, and uh, just 
when you have moments of pleasure or joy, uh, make sure and actually experience them, savor them, experience them, because that's all there really is. All there is is the human experience, and you can experience it. That's that's the meaning of like that's the purpose is to have um, have human experience. So do you think, as well, in a way that they all maybe helped you kind of process and kind of round off a lot of the discussions you've been having with yourself about that sort of stuff? Yes, yeah, indeed it did, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it was sort of a long process, and the the, the actual story of of the record in terms of the story that the record tells for me started years ago, years and years and years ago. So it's been a long process. Uh, Certainly, the end of the record and and the end of that story kind of did wrap wrap each other up at the sort of same time, and I was able to use the record to finally wind up some some last things. Um, and yeah, kind of the last song in the record, just like the first song is kind of like a prologue. The last song is kind of like an epilogue, um, and it does wrap it all up, and it did wrap it all up for me as well. Um, so yes, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to it. It's more than just a bunch of funk bangers and that's what I, I, I keep trying to tell people but it's hard to really tell people that without some kind of long form discussion yeah I think um, if you do listen like if you listen to the record and properly tune in the lyrics though I, I do think the first time I listened to it that wasn't maybe too apparent to me yeah, yeah, it was yeah. unrepeated listens when you start to hear the lyrics and you kind of start to think oh shit there's there's something else going on here yeah know? yeah no cool I'm, I'm very glad I'm very glad you've you've caught that and uh I'll be honest, like, I was writing it, I think I've put, I'm putting a lot of things here, I'm putting a lot of references, I'm putting a lot of thread, thematic threads that, that run consistently and chronologically, uh, you know, chronologically uh, consistent from the start to finish. And I'm thinking, is anybody going to catch this? Is anybody going to really see this? And then people have been telling me that they've been catching it, people have been telling me that they've 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 got what I was talking about and they've sort of experienced the whole thing as like a journey. So that's, uh, that's great. That's, that's an absolute trip. That's so much more than I really expected. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that for sure. I mean, reference as well, the whole thing's scattered. We're at Lorraine, kind of the hit single off at Ric Flair, obviously reference to, to wrestling. While we're on references, one thing I did want to ask, because it really jumped out when I listened to the record, was it, someone Kurt Vonnegut and in the name of a book and then page 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's over there somewhere. It's in here. So, uh, it's uh, so that was the uh, in the first the first song oh no the, the second song, and that's the song, basically about uh being depressed right but it's a super upbeat funk banger but it's about feeling dejected, depressed and just like hopeless, and uh, and that that the line there is um, uh, drink some water even those paralyzed by the meaninglessness of modern life, have to drink water from time to time which is true sometimes you're like I. You do feel paralyzed by by the meaninglessness of modern life. What what is, you just feel lost, and that's that's what happens. That's how I certainly felt. Sometimes do feel, but um, you still have to drink water. <laughs> you still have to fucking drink water in order to continue to subsist, and then perhaps get out of it. But the fact is, that's a really good line. But it's not mine. That's the next line. You thought that was a really good line. Well, it's not even mine because I'm so hopeless, so worthless that I can't even think of a good line. So I just had to pick one out of book. So and then I've referenced it. It's a reference. As if like you were writing an essay, you would reference it like it, yeah. in Harvard APA system, and it's uh, it's from a, a Kurt Vonnegut book called uh, Palm Sunday, and it is nineteen eighty one, and it, in my edition it was page one hundred and nine. So uh, 
I was quite, I was quite happy with that. I thought, I wonder if this is going to go around. And I, I took it to the guys in the van and said, I want to do this quote, and then I want to reference it as if it's an essay. Can I do that? And I thought they were just going to say, Nah, you can't fucking do that. They were onto it, and then we've done it, and now people. That's the bit where people sing along. People shout, it's page one hundred and nine. So that's a wee quirky thing. So I, I try and I try and throw, uh, even though the, the the subject matter is dark, I try to approach it in a sort of humorous. Uh, sort of darkly comic way and try and throw in interesting little bits of songwriting like that. Like when people get it, when people catch it, it's uh, it's 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 a total trip for me. I really like it. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what you're saying there about that line as well, being about kind of you know people have got to drink water even if they're you know pondering the meaningless of life and really depressed. When you sing things like that in other parts in the album about the heavier kind of you know subject matter, does that create like a weird conflict of emotion on stage? Um, no, not really, not really. I mean, I still, I still feel, um, I still feel the the heft and the meaning of the the lyrics. I still feel the story. I still access that part of my, you know, my emotional history when I'm hitting out with these things. I haven't lost that, and I hope I don't have. I hope I don't lose that. I think I've got the ability to talk about something that's dark, but also use humor to get around it. Because, I mean. I guess the the point that I ended up coming to with the record was that you know the, the human experience is an important thing instances of that and and one element of human experience is human humor and uh, and joy and I, I definitely think it's important to to confront uh, dark things with with humor and it can just be nobody wants to hear all oh, I'm sad woe is me uh, that's terrible you want to hear some something that's going to catch you in a different way and, and, a, and a different approach to talking about. I think it's really refreshing to to you know, talk about super dark stuff in a humorous way. And I, I definitely have. I've, I, now I'm thinking about it, there's lots of points where I've <coughs> hit out with quite quite comic things to talk about, real real turmoil that I have and do experience. I think it's important to do that. I mean, that's part of the beauty of your music as well, is because if you... I know sometimes the complaints I hear about you know, it'd be like an acoustic act on stage, is that people can't go there and they don't really feel like they can dance along to it. Yeah. Whereas the beauty of used to is you tackle all these, you know, heavy topics that maybe sometimes pop music and popular music doesn't, but people can still come to your shows and dance along and it's still about serious things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I don't think those those two things have to be exclusive, uh, mutually exclusive. Um, and I think that's certainly what we've sort of set out to do from the, the start is to, to do that funk with, funk and soul and that kind of wheelhouse of music that people will enjoy and, and get down to just in a musical sense but also with some some meaning, some weight to it so I, that, that's, a, that's a goal we've set to do and I'm, I'm glad if you think we're, we're hitting that goal I did want to talk a bit as well about the about the recording process of the album, so how long were you in the studio for when you went into make this and was that a constant period of time or did you go in and out a bit? Uh, no it was sort of broken up a little bit broken up um, so first of all, again, this is maybe another point at, at which there was a crossroads where am I taking this really seriously or am I just fanning about? We crowdfunded the record and we had a certain budget to spend and we thought, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get five days and then we're going to track it all and then it'll be done in those five days. We'll track it mostly live and uh, try and get it together and we'll, we'll just smash it and it'll be great. But the end of the five days, we were... It, it wasn't going to be ready so we're okay we need another few days 
and then we did those few days and we started to realize okay well you know we should take our time a little bit more with this so we just took more and more days so i think all in all it was like maybe 14 days um and like quite significantly over budget for us uh you know we had some of that that budget before to to pay for the actual production of the records and cds but we just we just spunked it all in the recording and we did a proper job of it it was just going to be a almost like a live recording album and then it became some more multi track more arrangement and then it became adding other things in like backing vocals and uh, and and guests spots and you know all sorts of other things that really filled out and i'm i'm really glad that we did that you know because i think if we'd done it rushed it and finished it in the first five days and uh, it would have been uh, I would have been disappointed. It wouldn't be the same record. I don't think. No, definitely no, yeah. not. Definitely not. Like I think uh, the fact that I was able to say, okay, well, now we're just doing it properly. Then we're gonna we're gonna get like a, a choir and we're gonna we're gonna do all this other stuff. And uh, it opened a lot more creative doors and it made it a much fuller and uh, more solid record. And I'm I'm happy we did. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got those points in it as well that kind of give it that live feel. Still at the end of what's the point is what I'm kind of thinking. When you've got what is that clip at the end? Of, is that taken from a live studio recording or? Uh, the clip of at the end of what's the point? It's about cutting something off. Um, I think it's a band member speaking, and you're kind of all egging him on. Oh, I think you're talking about the. Ah, oh, no, you're talking about uh, Sick Boy. I think you're talking about the ballad yeah. MC Sick Boy, and it got everyone's chanting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. For yeah. example, that. For example, that exact thing. So, yeah, no, there's a story behind that, and it's uh, actually it's good I've not told this story yet. I was, this is one of the things I think, oh, I'll do that, and then somebody's going to ask me about it one day, and I'm going to tell the story. So here I am. Uh, so The Ballad MC Sick Boy is a song that's about a, a bunch of events that I witnessed. Me and some of the guys were hosting a, a jam session in a, in a bar in town, just a weekly jam session where people come and they can play along with any musicians, and it's just a, it's a sort of community vibe. But we were just, we weren't even set up yet, we were just starting and a guy came in and he was like, oh, what's going on here? It's a, it's a jam session, mate. He's, Can I rap? He said, yeah, for sure. Like, let's finish setting up. And he was a pretty gnarly looking dude. And he immediately started just uh, sharing his, his story. He said, oh, I've just got out of prison today. Just got out of prison today. I've been in there for three years. My name's MC Sick Boy. And uh, I, I want to rap. He's like, yep, yeah, well, for sure you can rap. So he did. Yeah, we, we started and, you know, he came on and, and rapped and it was pretty brutal, but it was also all right. And he stuck about it for the rest of the night, but he got more and more pissed, you know, getting out of order and getting chucked out. And apparently, uh, I said, asked the bouncer later and the bouncer said, yeah, he, he threatened us with a, with a shotgun or something like that. And there's cops right there. So they took him away. So that was his one, one day of freedom, almost certainly going back to, to the jail. It's a fucking parole thing for sure. It's such a tragic and brutal story that I couldn't, um, I couldn't not tell it in a, in a song. It's kind of about his wish to have triumphant musical performance and have a, you know, a adulation from everyone and and you know respect. And it's the the video that we got for that also kind of represents that. It's kind of a fantasy of him actually being a success. His one day of freedom, he comes and raps, and everybody fucking loves it. So for that, I had this idea that we would. Um, we would go back to that pub, that pub that we played the, the, the jam session in, and on the night of the jam session, we went there and we got everybody in the room to chant, Sack boy, sack boy, sack boy. So we got everyone in the pub to, to the, the same pub to chant the uh, the sick boy chant uh, as a sort of tale, a little bit of kind of a, uh, a sound soundscape at the end of that track to sort of finish it off. 
So I thought that was quite a nice thing. And in terms of the story of him, is that the wildest story in the album, or? Yeah, that's that's that is a proper story song in the album. I mean, I mean, for the video that we, which was also available to look at, it's called the Ballad of MC Sickboy. Um, we we got the same bouncer who chucked him out on that night to appear as himself, chucking him out. So I mean, the video portrays the whole events as well. So who did you get to play him? Uh, a guy, an actor uh, that we know from we knew from the conservatoire. Yeah, it was a. Uh, that 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 video was an absolute epic. It didn't really do as well as the others because I think it was too, too hard to watch from start to finish. It was like a, it required some concentration, and nobody's got any concentration now. So, but the, the actual thing is is worth watching from start to finish. It tells the narrative, it tells the story. Uh, it just requires about four and a half minutes of concentration. <laughs> it can be a push now. Oh, for sure, for sure. So I mean, I kind of anticipated it not being as successful, but um, I wanted to do it. I mean, I guess that's the same thing a bit with albums as well, though, is that now, you know, I think was it, I think it was Sam Fender's album that just came out, what was there, 11 songs on it and six had already been out or something? All right. Like, just in general, a lot of albums that come out now, you know, it's, albums aren't maybe what they used to be. But this, you've stuck out a record that is, it's a proper album, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely like the format and I appreciate it. And I, whenever I, I listen to music, I listen to music from, from the start of an album to finish, if I can. And... To have a record that's a cohesive whole, I think it's important and uh, yeah, and, and a valuable, a valuable medium to produce art on. Yeah, what's the first album you kind of remember having like a connection with growing up? And kind of... Oh, first, first album. Yeah. Um. Oh God. Because I noticed when I came in, there's oh, I shouldn't look away from the mic, but I'm looking behind me because there's shelves and shelves of vinyl. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple of shelves of vinyl there. I mean. So I remember the first albums I, I bought, but then the first actual album that I sort of connected with and knew from start to finish. Ah, you know what it is? It was uh, it was this because it was a, a cassette tape that was my brother's, and it was Pearl Jam ten on one side and Pearl Jam Versus on the other. And uh, so that was that was the first cassette tape that I had, and I listened to it back to forth, back 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 to front, back to front, over and over again. So that's the first one I had a sort of connection to. But I can't. I think I didn't even know what it was. It was a blank tape, so I didn't know what it was. And it was only later that I found out it was Pearl Jam. So that's uh, that's the first one. I, I mean, I'm talking. I was seven, six or seven. But I think la- later on, I mean, I started buying my own records, and uh, and there's some that are really important to me that I keep coming back to at various points in my life. And um, like Neil Young's Harvest is a is a super Pearl record from you kids. I've revisited it from when I was, you know, five, six, when my, my dad played it in the car. And then, like, later on in my adolescence, I've revisited it again and realised, oh, there's something else here. And then, like, later on in life, uh, in, into my 20s, I, I, I've once again revisited it and, and started to take in the, the lyrical meaning of it a little bit more. And uh, so that's something that I've sort of got to know and love three times, three separate times at least. And it's a, it's an important record for me, um, Neil Young Harvest, which I actually I reference and I reference it in uh, in my album. Actually, there's a there's a, a direct kind of quote from one of his songs in in one of the songs on the record. Yeah, and I mean when you heard your record on vinyl for the first time, that must have been what, what was that like? That was oh yeah, that, that was a cool. trip. Yeah, for sure. I mean the first time we heard it was with um, with uh, what do you call it? Uh, um, Test pressings, you know, yeah, test yeah, pressings, yeah. so it's just white label. So, but to 
Have you still got the test press? Yeah, I've got yeah. I've got a whole load of them, like a whole bunch of them. Um, I don't I don't really know what to do with them because they gave us one for each member of the band, so there's like nine of them, and uh, there's a double vinyl each, and they they, no, they didn't all want one, so <laughs> I don't really know what to do with them all. But yeah, the first time taking them out, like smelling it, putting it on, and putting the dildo down, it's, it seems like kind of pastiche and cliche to talk about that sort of stuff. Oh, it's all the ritual putting down, but man, it was a powerful thing for sure, and hearing it for the first time. I mean, I guess the first time you're listening to it, you're just making sure that, that there's not been some sort of mistake, you know, there's not been some, somebody else's song put onto it, and, and then there's that relief, but then uh, once you get into it, let's do it from start to, to finish. Obviously, by the time this, this process happened, you've listened to the record yourself a hundred times or more, uh, but it's, it's another sort of milestone that you'll definitely remember, you know. Yeah, well, the people that you, obviously, with listening to it a hundred times, it may be it becomes dif- difficult for you maybe a little bit to retain the same sense of perspective, do you think? I think, you... yeah, yeah, I think so. I think when it, in the kind of process where it's getting, you know, mixed and mastered and it's required that you listen to it and you have to listen to it with a different sort of analytical perspective, you can kind of lose where it's at. But you know, now I've not listened to it for quite a long time because I've been I'm performing them, I'm performing these songs and through performing quite a lot the they sort of evolve a little bit. So quite recently, I I, I, w- I was listening to it uh, and a couple of tracks, and I realised how much that has involved evolved and sort of changed, and kind of even how my my voice has sort of developed and and, and grown as well. And so it was interesting to go back and and kind of catch that snapshot of my life as well. Because I mean, I will I also who I am is moving on from that that person. And whenever, whenever I've made record, I've made other records that nobody's heard and nobody cares about. Um, but that's fine because they they were all just snapshots of uh, of myself at different points in time. And kind of, I think that's an important thing about records as well. Uh, uh, just to the artist, is just a a document of their own self for later selves to uh, look back on. You know, uh, a concise. Uh, roundabout way of, of containing an entire identity and and one thing because I mean you can look at photographs well that's a nice photograph you can look at a note there's a note but if that that that's a an album is a concise work that you've thrown all these different things in to express yourself at that time so and I think that's that's a valuable thing for other people listeners of an album to to kind of realize as well when they're listening to a record that's if the record's been made properly, if it's a valuable record, I believe that it is a, a, a concise containment of that individual at that time in life, and that's a, a super valuable document and and a, a privilege to be able to listen to. I think it's a little bit like an autobiography, as well in that sense, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, instantaneous autobiographies at that one point in that person's life. You know, I think it will be like milestones, and each one will change. Yeah. Do you have any plans for the the second record at all at the moment? Have you had any thoughts about it? Or I'm trying to get into the zone of of writing again. I'm, like I say, I'm 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 trying to wind down from all this other stuff, all this that this kind of extreme amount of work that I've given myself to do, and I'm trying to distance myself in order to to give some space to write, and I and I'm writing, and like thematically a little bit. Yeah, I've started to think about what's up, and in fact, it kind of refers a little bit to what I was just talking about there. Uh, at these different instances of of your identity as you go through life. Um, 
because there's so, so many notebooks I have so many notebooks that just filled with thoughts and lyrics and discharge dis, um, disconnected kind of fragments of, of thought but uh, looking at each one of them it's almost like having a dialogue with your previous versions of yourself so it's kind of something I want to explore if there's going to be a theme or a context a, a, a con- concept that I would like to explore in a, a wider way it'll be that just sort of uh, instantiated conversations and dialogues with my own past selves um, that may they may exist uh, through through entries in a notebook or exist through previous records that I've I've made. So that'll be something for people to 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 hopefully relate to and and think about because it's something I've thought about quite deeply, and I think it's fascinating. So did a lot of the first record come from like entries in those notebooks and like phrases taken from there and stuff? Uh, for sure. I mean, uh, they, they they've come from maybe a a couple of notebooks over a certain amount of time but I'm talking about going deeper deeper further and there's points where like I actually had a kind of a spine chilling moment when I was going through them and there's one from some years ago and it's it's more or less I've I've written a note to my future self then saying yo Tom fucking things are shit right now I don't know how to negotiate this life what the fuck's it all about I hope you've figured out have you figured out what are the fucking answers and I read this and I was like fuck talk to me I am the future Tomu and it's, that's the sort of dialogue and, and these notes and these sort of things are peppered with like actual references and actual dialogues from the past me that I've sat and said hey Tom in the future what the fuck's going on and so I, I think that's that's something that's, that's going to be quite exciting to, to try and explore if I can pull it off it seems like a pretty heavy heavy topic and I think I might have given myself a, a hard task to do but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try that's what I'm going to try and do that almost reminds me of something out of like you know, slaughterhouse five. Like, can I jump in about like at different periods in time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yo, you Vonnegut fan. I like that book. I've not, oh, I've good. not ventured I, beyond that's that. That's a good one. Eh? But uh, um, are you quite into him then? Well, yeah, you re- re- uh, referenced him in, in one of the tunes. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, he's he's one of my, one of my favorite authors for sure. Um, Do you take quite a lot of inspiration from like literary um, writers as well as songwriters? Depends how much I'm reading. You know, sometimes I, I, I get in a really um, sort of strong reading zone, but I haven't really been for the past year. I think as a as a symptom of being too busy and too kind of uh, over over occupied with other bits and pieces to do with the band. So I haven't really been uh, reading that much, but certainly I, when I am in a sort of reading mode, I definitely pick up uh, inspiration and, and start to think about certain ideas that I run with, and then maybe maybe uh you know develop and yeah it's 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 a source of some inspiration but I, it's not one that i've got access to to it now because i'm not in that mode i'm trying to get back in the mode. in fact i'm i'm trying to really really trying hard making a concerted effort to get out this frantic keep the ball rolling mode and get into this sort of more sedate kind of creative kind of uh, uh introspective mode that allows me to to create something yeah yeah I think it was maybe just a, a couple of questions back as well. You mentioned your voice. Mm-hmm. How has that, you know, developed over time? Because it is one of the most powerful things in the record. So how has it kind of gotten to this point to get to this? Was it always that powerful or you um, had to work at it quite a lot? To... I, I did work at it for, I mean, it's it's definitely a result of doing lots of gigs for, for many years, singing in pubs and singing at weddings. It's I, I do think it's got a lot to do with just practicing with the muscles, just like, 
spinners, you know. I mean, I listened to some recordings of me singing with my first, my very first band when I was singing out of necessity, and it's just there's a weakness there, and that's just through not lack of confidence and just lack of actually having strong enough muscles in in the technique. So I I started properly exploring technique and and training uh, in the run up to the first record. And I think I had some benefit from that, but it's uh, that kind of technique and that kind of training doesn't just show results just like that. It showed some results and it was helpful to me. But um, over the past year, I've been thinking about it a little bit more and uh, exploring some different things. I think also another thing is I, I got a car. I got a car and a car is like the safest place to sing. Safest place to sing. So I've, I've been experimenting. I... You can you can practice at home. You can sing at home, but you know I've got downstairs neighbours. I've got neighbours across the hall, and there's some subtle barrier there that's like, you know, why should I be exposing these poor people to this catter walling, right? But if you got a car, you can do make sing what, as loud as you like. You can do whatever notes you want. So you can do whatever noises you want, and it's fine. So I, honestly, through through singing in my car, I discovered like a whole extra range. You know, a whole, a whole extra register. Of, uh, of 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 uh, of singing, um, of notes to hit, just through a different sort of technique, which I've been able to practice in the car and then use in, in real life setting. Whereas before it was kind of lo- looser and scattergun and kind of more of a punk rock ethic to singing. Uh, then I started to implement some kind of technique, and now, I mean through through doing lots of the gigs with that mind and with with the fact that oh, I actually can do these notes, I can do this technique, then it's, it's become more uh, more solidified and I, I think I'll be definitely smashing it out of the park with the, with regards to singing in the next record. Yeah. I mean, where do you do most of your songwriting then? Is that all done in the house mostly? Do you ever go to places to try and get inspiration and find peace to write? Or? You know, it's, it's something I'm trying to rediscover, trying to figure out. Like like, like I said, it's, this is me just coming back coming to back, that yeah. mode just now. So I'm trying to kind of remember and I'm literally in the process of, of working out what my my method was. But at the moment, I've, I've just got just so many fragments of pieces of music, so many fragments of lyrics just all squirreled away that, uh, you know, uh, I've, I've had to sort of do another admin task to sort of pull them all together in a coherent way in which I can sort of start to work with them. So I've got, you know, voice messages and, and, and iTunes all categorised, hundreds of them. And I've got lyrics all categorised in a Word document, 42 different categories, thematic categories. I'm not I'm not fucking kidding, 42 categories. And that's like a year's worth of just mismatched, fragment, fragmented kind of ideas I've not had time to, to coalesce. So now I'm at the sort of jigsaw puzzle stage, but uh, ultimately the the writing does happen at home with guitar. Um, but I'm wanting to branch out a little bit and, and get other guys involved a little bit because uh, you know if you're just playing yourself, you don't have any sort of feedback. You can kind of get stuck in a loop and and uh, start kind of repeating yourself. And uh, yeah, you, you too, too many options and you get option paralysis and then you just get bogged down so um it's uh, this is a process I'm, I'm in the middle of right now yeah and uh pulling together but there's a there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of stuff to sift through and a lot of uh, things to pull together 
Yeah. So do you do quite a bit like cut and paste where you think, I want to write a song about this, and you then go through looking to the Word documents, try to find things that might work with this song? Yeah, uh, pretty much, yeah. Pretty much, I mean, I have had some thought, some ideas and, and sort of concepts that I have thought I'll be writing about that at some point. So I'll, I'll, I'll have them aside, so I'll compile them on. It's the verses, once you've got a chorus, that, that, that's okay, but the verses, that's where I can get wordy and get a little bit of wordplay in and, and put lots of stuff in. And my process has been, in the past, to write vastly more verses than I can, just, just massive amounts of words, which I then edit down into coherent verses, of which I have to, you know, just, you know, shave off, you know, 60% of them. Uh, in order to have a, a song that's not 15 minutes long, you know, so that's quite that's quite good. It's quite brutal, but it's quite good in the way that that just the best kind of verses get um, get left in, uh, and it's sort of a bit of a quality control. But the the process is a quite a long winded editing process right now, and it's sort of I can end up getting blocked blocked in it, you know, especially if, I, if right now I'm at the stage of not really having concise things to edit, but just having masses of information to sift through it's like an admin task so that's uh, that's certainly something to be said for uh, not leaving it for a year giving yourself some space to, to do that throughout the year so uh, but yeah gradually gradually I can see some stuff coming together and uh, and then you have enough a focus once it's focused once I know roughly how the shape of it is and it's, it starts to be a quicker and, and more uh, more satisfying process and then once that's the broad skeleton the, the, the songs there then I go to the band the band uh, build the groove and then the horns right over the top of everything and that's it that's how it goes yeah and you mentioned earlier as well how you just heard the album recently for the first time in quite a good while mm-hmm. it's a bit of a cheeky question but if there was one thing you could change about it looking back now what would what would that one thing be um I would change. There's, there's a couple of wee vocal bits that I'm like, fuck that shit. But it's obviously it's it's in there now. But uh, maybe just you that notices that though, where everyone else kind of just. Yeah, yeah. The the there's an inter- like a super sad song like it's a, just an interlude. It's called Caveman, and that was supposed to be a, a full song. That's supposed to be a, a full, uh, full song. And it, we'd actually recorded the backing for the full song, but. Uh, the arrangement didn't come come together quite as as well as we'd liked, and the the album was going to be running a little bit too long anyway, and it was so sad, and it was going to be really long and it was going to be super sad, and everything that I needed to achieve thematically from that I could have just I could do in the the short the tracks you had the sort yeah. of, the sort of short concise version that ended up being out in the record, but uh, part of me would would like to have uh, completed that because. You know, like you say, just to make sure that the darkness that is there was explicitly showed in a in a, in a significant way. Because um, one thing I'm I do I'm concerned about is people not catching that darkness, that seriousness, and you know, just seeing us as a stupid idiot clown band, party idiot band. I mean, we're we're we do gigs, we're fucking bringing the party, and that's great. But um, uh, I don't want that sort of bit, that kind of. Uh, element of the the band's identity to get lost in all that clowning about, you know. So having a full song that was really fucking sad and dark, 
like super dark man it was gonna be so heavy but um it didn't didn't make the cut it didn't the, the whole version didn't make the cut so i would uh, would have liked to maybe have that are you quite ruthless with your editing then in terms of me I'm, I'm i'm really not ruthless right now i'm having real real trouble editing right now it's just taking me ages and i'm just getting bogged down so uh, to the point I'm, I'm just having to go to other people and say what what's what's good here what's the best of these seven options what's the best one uh that's that's i need to get somebody else to come and actually do it so at the moment my my editing skills are are pretty poor <laughs> but we're working it and i guess the, the reverse of that previous question as well is what's your favorite part on the album what's your favorite track on it oh man i think uh get out was my favorite i mean plane crash is pretty special pretty, pretty special song too and i think uh like when the when the the gospel card comes in and I start fucking giving some big gospel licks. That's uh, that's a pretty powerful moment. Like I, I made sure I was like emotionally in the zone for for singing that in the studio, and it's still there. So it's like a document of a pretty powerful, like joyous moment. So uh, it's pretty pretty important as well. I think yeah. Was that kind of like the most powerful moment in the studio that that day when you? When uh, you I think possibly. I mean, I was, I was also, I was kind of trying to be completely in, in the zone but I was a little bit also in my head in my own head of, of trying to sing the notes really well as well at the same time so um, I think possibly the most powerful one was that caveman moment because I was just me and the guy in the studio and I we did lots of takes and uh, I, we, we didn't choose the one that was the best take we chose the one that I was the saddest during uh, so uh, it was just me and him and I was like I was going into like a dark place, like purposefully go sitting there, just thinking about the darkest fuck shit, darkest place in order to sing this line most genuinely, and like I was, I was pushing, pushing tears a little bit. It was just me and this one guy. He just gave me a minute. He's like, "You ready?" I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, so of all the takes, it was the sad, the one that I successfully felt the saddest was <laughs> was the one that we used. So that was pretty fucking intense, man. Yeah, another another one was uh, was getting the backing vocals and plane crash, and the 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 girls weren't quite weren't quite getting the power the the energy of it right so uh i this is a song about like salvation from this this horrible feeling of purposelessness and loss and hopelessness uh salvation through uh you know through loving someone right so uh they weren't quite getting it right so i, I, I pushed the button and said through the booth to them i said Okay, good. Can you do it? Can you sing it like uh, you're you're in love and everything's okay now and the world's not going to end? And they all start they all start crying. <laughs> they all start crying. You're in love and the world's not going to end anymore. I said, and then yeah, that was them. Anyway. So that was pretty intense as well. <laughs> okay. So you go. And um, can as we near the end to, to round off for one last one last question just looking at the future basically and what you guys have kind of got coming up and anything you want to plug that yeah yeah cool people should check out yeah yeah great so um first of all our last video is still still fairly current the, the video for for get out i really implore everyone to have a look at that it's uh, it's also we've released a single on cd which has some exclusive uh, live tracks from our landmark uh, homecoming show our first sell out show when we came back to glasgow was that the union one? No, there was the art school. The art school. We that was right after it all kicked off and it just exploded in a big way. So we came back after a tour 
to to a sellout show that was completely unexpected. So there's a real magic in the room, and uh, so we got some like live recordings from that, a few of which we've put onto this uh, <clears throat> into this uh, CD single. It's more like a sort of EP. Did you know how special that night was kind of going to be coming back off? Did you kind of anticipate it was going to be a pretty big night coming back off that tour? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it'd been upgraded because we booked it for Nice and Sleazy's, yeah, which yeah. is like 110 cap or whatever. Good venue as well. Yeah, for sure. But and, and like that was what we were plotting out. We thought, okay, well, Nice and Sleazy's, well, we get we feel that, that'll be fine. But then things took off and went mental and it got upgraded. We had to upgrade it to the art school, which is fucking five times as big. Uh, and we were all just like, "What the? What the fuck's happening here? How is this possible?" We came back and we were just—it was riding on a on a cloud. It was like incredible. Everyone was just fucking buzzing. The crowd was buzzing as well, and it was just a super fresh thing. So the energy in those recordings is is pretty special. Uh, a few of them are available in this single. I think we will probably do a release with them in the future at some point. But you can hear. Uh, a couple of the cuts on the CD single available from our website tomguarandbassels.com yeah? yeah well thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me today man That's yeah thank great. you very much for being very good questions and uh, I appreciate your, your your sort of uh, attentiveness to, to the record and it's, it's a real buzz to know that people are listening to it in such a way and have have got what they've got from it so thanks man. it's brilliant right. cheers dude cheers thanks Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.